Father Willie Reynolds, you're an Irish Jesuit, and for the last 18 months, you've been here, director of the Galway Centre for Spirituality. And unfortunately, you're the person who's had to oversee the closure. Can you tell me about the closure, how it came about, and how you all feel about it? Well, I had finished my time in Maynooth, where I was working with the seminarians as their spiritual director, or one of the spiritual directors, because there were two of us. And then uh, it was up to the provincial to appoint me elsewhere. And he was uh, very aware of the fact that the Galway Spirituality Centre was going to be a problem for the future, simply because he didn't have the required personnel to run it. And so he asked me if I would do that. But at the same point, or at the same time, he pointed out the fact that it was uh, one of the concerns he had about continuing to run the centre because of the lack of Jesuit staff. Now, we're all aware of the fact that we have a problem with entrance from the point of view that there are fewer and fewer, and then we are getting older. And I, at the age of 74 at that point, was asked to take on this task. I won't say that I wasn't pleased, but I kind of felt a pang and I was asked to do this because closure at any point is a very difficult and it's kind of ugly in a sense. Yeah. And I have to say that some of my colleagues who've had to close houses and move on or close churches or parishes and whatever they've had to do, I now begin to realise how difficult it was mm-hmm. for them. It still, I suppose, probably is with me at this point in time. And on the 31st of December, when we do actually close here, I will actually find it a very difficult thing to kind of uh, say, well, maybe I should have kept it going. But I think I was living in, in a kind of a world of fantasy in thinking that I could, because when I came here, the very first thing I did was I wrote to the bishops here in the West. And coming out of my work in Maynooth, I thought it might be an idea if I set up something like a prayer or a school for prayer. And the reason being was that when dealing with seminarians who are now entering a seminary, many of them don't pray or haven't prayed. And so that's the first point that you have to work with them is to try and get them to understand what prayer is about. So in other words, you wind up as a teacher of prayer. So I wrote to the bishops in the hope that they would say, well, look, maybe it might be an idea for us to bring our candidates together. These are the bishops now in the west of Ireland. But sadly, I didn't get, I got a very poor response to my letter. The only one that seemed to be somehow or other interested was the Bishop of Elfin. He was very keen, but none of the others, even some of them didn't even reply to the letter. Right. I think there was one other who, I think the Bishop of Kilala at the time, uh, also wrote to me, but he didn't say any more than just welcome me here. And I think I felt at that point yeah. I didn't have the support mm-hmm. that I needed to keep the place going or pointed in a different direction, that we could retain the staff and at the same time be able to do the work here that has always, it's ongoing. It's interesting, isn't it, that 
With the lack of formal prayer, I suppose, years gone by, people said the rosary or novenas or whatever, but that young men who may have a vocation, okay, but they actually don't know how to pray. That's exactly it. And so you have to kind of wonder at the same time where they're coming from. But if they are to continue to, you know, continue their role as priests, they have to learn how to pray. In actual fact, at one of our spiritual directors of various seminaries in Europe, we met in Rome a few years ago and a delegate of the cardinal who was in charge of uh, the formation of priests came in to address us. And he used one of the Holy Father's expressions, Pope Francis' expression, if they don't pray, they don't stay. It's as simple as that. And you would have thought, nonetheless, that if people who think they have a vocation don't know how to pray, that how much more maybe ordinary people themselves who maybe need guidance in prayer. And that was something that did come out of the centre and has blossomed in Knock. Yes. And the centre, mentioning Knock, the centre itself here has made a huge contribution to Knock over the years. And I think that there is no doubt that Sister Myra, who will remain in this premises for the next two years, she will be gainfully employed in the knock progress, as it were, because they are making progress under the guidance of the parish priest in knock, who is Monsignor Richard Gibbon, Father Brian Grogan, Phyllis Brady. There are the people that, you know, we know, Yes. And the people who work on the ground in Knock, there's given a tremendous amount, Father Tom Taff, mm. an ex-Vicar General of one of the British dioceses, and they have done quite a lot. And the prayer guides, guides are and there. Spiritual and spiritual direction courses going. So Knock is where the future is. And I think if there is any investment to be made, then the investment has to be in Knock for the future. There are, I think, plans and ideas that are floating around at the moment with the team who work in Knock to, you know, kind of bring a special type of prayer to Knock. And that's where I think this place will not fail or will not have failed, but will have, you know, given to Knock because a lot of the people who now work in Knock are people who have been trained here as prayer guides or people who have been trained here as spiritual directors, that knock will be the place that where they will be able to feed and to be able to pass on their help and guidance. And that's very hopeful for you, I'm sure, and makes your job easier. Yeah. And you did have a formal event here marking the closing. Tell us about that. Yeah. On the 16th of this month of November, we invited people who had been involved in the uh, centre. Now, amongst those would be my predecessor, uh, Eddie Cosgrove. Unfortunately, John Humphreys, the man who started it, cannot be with us. We had a lot of fellow Jesuits or fellow travellers who worked here. They came. The man who I suppose probably is our uh, director of spirituality, Father Bernard McManus, was very much part of the day itself. Then we opened it up to a wider group of people who had done some form of training here. Also the people from other groups who use the house here, like the people from the Lexio Divina, the Ignatian Identity Group, the Presentation Prayer Group, they were all invited here. 
And so we had that day and uh, we had two fairly formal prayer sessions, one led by Una Allen, which was a reflection for the day. And then uh, I led the closing speech and followed by prayer. The closing speech was purely a thank you to all the people, both living and dead, yeah. particularly to John Humphreys, yeah. who had invested, you know, his final years mm. here. And, of course, we all are aware that John was, without a shadow of doubt, the prime mover bringing this place to fruition. And he did it very well, he coped very well with it, but sadly we all know what happened there in the end when he died and that was kind of a great loss to all of us. And a big shock for many people. A huge shock and of course particularly to the community Mm. itself because John was also the superior in the community. I myself have to say like that I have had great support from the community, mentioning the community, I have had great support. That's the Jesuit community, the community here in Galway. Galway yeah. From Martin, from Charlie and from the various people that have been involved in the centre as well. The things that kind of, I suppose, probably stand out for everybody were the prayer guides. And it goes back to something that I've always said, you know, that we have to be teachers of prayer. Yeah. You know, as kind of quoting from the gospel, when the apostles said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, that's what we were doing here. And the other thing was the training of the spiritual directors. I don't think we can have enough of people on those two particular groups. Now, we mustn't overlook the fact that there were also the uh, women of the well. There were various other groups that have emanated from here. Then Charlie used to lead a pilgrimage every year. That was kind of here in the West. They went out to the islands. And then there was another pilgrimage that was led to Ballantubber Abbey. So it's, you know, it wasn't just the prayer thing, but the background to the prayer was also very much part of the training in the centre itself. It's a beautiful room, house, their lovely warm kitchen and different rooms for praying. And it was a great resource in Galway. It is going to be open for two more years, isn't it? Because as you indicated, other groups use it. Yes. One of the groups that uses it here is a lunch club on a Thursday, which is COPE. Now, COPE is akin to a cross in the Dublin Archdiocese. And it has a lunch for the elderly in and around the locality. People who will be very much associated when uh, St Ignatius was a parish. And that's where I suppose probably would be one of the groups that would have kind of a social dimension to it. Apart from the prayer thing, it also reached out to the people. And I'm just wondering, on the day and over the while since you've been involved and you said yourself it wasn't an easy task, are people resigned or do they accept that it had this was the way it had to be and that it will flourish now and knock in a different form? I would say that, yes, people are. Uh, they're understanding that we, you know, uh, there is a limit to what we can provide by way of, I don't want to use a kind of sexist term, but manpower, let's put it that way, or people power, I prefer, is the thing that's, you know, they're aware that that's designing for us and that we, you know, have to limit ourselves in what we can do 
in that regards. And I think what is also kind of in regards to that, it has built up a strong group of laity who are dealing with things that it was the prerogative of the spiritual priest or nun or brother or whatever the case may be. Now that they are, you know, kind of the people who are the torchbearers, they're the ones who take the torch and carry it on, as it were. And that's, I suppose, if we were to look at our mission, that that's what our mission has to be, is to hand over the torch and say, well, right, now is the time we've trained you, we've given you the means to do it, now you, you take it to others. That is a very Jesuit thing, isn't it? It is, that's very much. And that's what the exercises are around, is to be able to provide that service for others. Because the exercises are about other people. It's not about the person doing the exercise. But the person doing the exercise, it's hoped that they will be able to pass that on to others. And that's your hope for this centre, that it has done the work it could do. It's time to let go and the decision has been made properly and with due reflection and that you see the fruits blossoming elsewhere. I do. And again, I don't want to kind of hackney knock, but knock seems to be uh, the result of what has happened here, partly because knock itself had been going even before here. But we've added to the knock situation. And it's that that really is something that has emanated from here, is to be able to... It's the multiplier effect, and we've contributed to that from this particular house itself. And we've had then, outside of that, we've had speakers who've been here... We've had Brendan Comfort himself, who recently gave a whole course on the mystics. We've had a robotor from Kenya. We've sponsored the past two weeks, which was hugely successful, with Father Michael Conway on faith and culture and looking at the future of the church and where we're moving towards. That was just absolutely humongous from the point of view. We didn't expect the turnout. The first night... There were 50-something. The next night we had to bring in extra chairs. Ward got out. This guy has got a lot Mm -hmm. to offer and deliver. And he did, and he delivered well. Now, I've known Michael for quite some time, and I knew his ability and how capable he was, but he certainly rose to the occasion. I was very happy to know that it came from the centre here. But, I mean, we can't put those things on every week. (laughs) (laughs) There is a limit. So don't be getting any notions now that you might be reopening. (laughs) No. and uh, But that was kind of, I suppose, probably the last hurrah. And that was a great tribute to the centre here, to be able to have somebody of his ability, of his brilliance and of his learning, that he was able to impart that knowledge, but at the invitation of the centre. So a good goodbye. It was, without a shadow of doubt, a great farewell. And that's the sort of thing I would have loved to continue if I were, you know, to continue. That's what I will be searching for. That's what I will be looking for, for the future of this place. But uh, anyway, we'll see what the future holds in store in that regards, how much people will be able to take up. 
but and Father Michael was appreciated by his own fellow clergy and the people from the diocese here because he is a priest of the Diocese of Galway. The evening when we closed was a great farewell and it was a great thank you to those who've come before us. To use an expression, without the shoulders of those who've come before us, we'd never be able to look over the fence. Well, I wish you all the best looking over the fence for the future ahead. Thank you very much, Pat. Thank you. God bless. Take care. Amy, you're still working here. You're the administrator. You joined how long ago? Yes, so my role officially began in June of 2015. So you're here quite a while. How do you feel about the closure? Yeah, I have mixed feelings. I think it is a big loss to the Galway community at large. Yeah, just I think it's been a welcoming beacon for people in the Galway and greater West area. So it is, yeah, I suppose it hasn't fully hit me yet, but it is it is a big change for people. And your own self now, what did you think you gained most from working here? What did it mean to you and what would you take into the future? I think for me, what was really key and important was the people that I encountered, both working with the people on the team and those who came to our various events. And, you know, these are friendships that hopefully will continue far beyond. I suppose we have tried to create a sense of welcome, you know, for people as they enter their spiritual journey. And so um, I'm hoping that whatever form it takes in future, that people can still find that in some way and with the Jesuits. But it's been a real blessing. And for yourself now, are you moving on? Have you more work lined up? What will you do? Well, recently I have qualified as a life coach and I'm hoping to integrate that with the spiritual piece of it, whether in schools, with individuals and workshops. So I do hope to continue in some way um, with the Ignatian and, and with the spiritual piece. And with people on the journey. That's it, absolutely.